Uh, if you're going to uh, put something on social media during the sermon today, please use this hashtag, at the cross. If you like the sermon notes, right there is the email address, and you can use this email address to com- communicate with the church in any way. If you have questions uh, about the church, about the sermon, whatever. Or again, if you want the sermon notes, use that email address. We're camping out in Matthew 27. And uh, we've been here for about three weeks, and this is the fourth week. This is the final sermon in the series as we lead up to next Sunday, which is probably the biggest Sunday in the day of any church, uh, any Christian church, and that is uh, Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. So we hope you'll be here next Sunday. Don't forget the little invite cards. Hey, you guys have done a great job picking those up and taking them home with you. But you got to give them away, all right? It's not enough just to pick up a pack and take them home, and we hope you'll get some today. But make sure you pass those out. Get those out there. Hand them out to your neighbors and friends and family. And uh, let's see who God brings to church with us uh, next Sunday. Let me me say this about next Sunday. Um, We will be talking about uh, the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. We'll be talking about um, really the suffering that Jesus went through from the perspective of a physician. It's a very, very powerful message, and um, it's important that you bring your unbelieving friends and family uh, because I believe it's a message that will touch their heart. I believe the music next week will touch their heart. We're expecting people to come to Jesus, make a decision next Sunday to follow Jesus. We're expecting people to make that decision today, and we hope you will. As a matter of fact, at the end of the service today, several of us will be down front. We'll be happy to pray with you. If you have questions about Jesus or how to follow him, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, We'll pray with you if you're sick or you know someone who's sick or going through difficult times. We'll be happy to pray with you at the end of the service today. But let me just remind you that next Sunday is Easter, so get the word out and bring people with you. In this series of messages, we're examining who was at the crucifixion. We have talked about some people who were there, but the reason we mentioned the people who were there not in every case, but in some cases, we wanted you to see their mindset. We wanted you to see how they were thinking. We wanted you to see their attitude around the cross. What mindsets crucified the Lord Jesus? Not just who was there, but what were they thinking? What were they perceiving? What was their mind? And the first one we talked about was the fact that self-righteousness, the attitude of self-righteousness, crucified Jesus. And the scripture reference for for that was uh, the very first verse of Matthew 27, verse 1. And we talked about the chief priests and the elders, and of course that would also include the Pharisees and the religious crowd of that day. The Bible says in that verse, when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And the application there is simply this. Religion never brought anybody closer to Jesus. Religion never brought anyone closer to Jesus. Here's what religion is. Religion says, I can save myself. I don't need Jesus. I don't need a Savior. 
I can save myself. That's the essence of religion. If I do good things and we measure the good against the bad at the end of my life and I've done more good things than bad things, then I'm good to go. I know I'll get to go to heaven. That is not how it works. It's not how it works at all. Self-righteousness crucified the Lord Jesus. Self-righteousness is the foundation of religion. Here's what we need to do. We need to turn from religion and we need to turn to Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. Number two, we talked about hypocrisy was at the cross that day. Hypocrisy was there and this kind of overlaps with self-righteousness. The Bible says in Matthew 27 and 3, uh, when we think of uh, hypocrisy, we think of this person quite often in the Bible, Judas. The Bible says Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Here's the deal about Judas. Judas was a hypocrite. He didn't love Jesus. He only pretended to love Jesus. And there are many people who struggle with that today. They think pretending to love Jesus is the same as genuinely loving him. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. He wrote two letters. And in the second one, chapter 3, verse 5, he said, Timothy, understand this, learn this, get this. In the last days, men will act religious. Men will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And that's hypocrisy. That's what Paul is talking about as he's speaking to Timothy there. And then he says at the end, stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. Here's what that means. It doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from unbelievers. Here's what it means. It means don't let those kinds of people influence your life. Don't let hypocrites influence your life. If there's going to be any influencing going on, you influence them. Don't let them influence you. And then last week, Pastor Andy talked about uh, the fact that cowards or cowardliness crucified the Son of God. And he looked at Matthew 27, verse 2, and then at verses 11 through 26. And we looked at uh, Pilate, Pilate, who was a coward. And uh, I know the application Pastor Andy gave you there was excellent. The fact is, Pilate, Pilate didn't want to make a decision. And we'll see that even in the preaching today. And Pilate's indecision was his worst decision. Pilate wouldn't decide. Pilate didn't have the courage to make a decision. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we look around us in the religious world today, we see that repeated many, many millions of times times over every day. People not making it, thinking that if they say nice things about Jesus. You know, the Bible says that uh, when Judas um, sold, uh, gave the money to the Romans or, or, or got the money and then uh, revealed Jesus, the Bible says that Judas felt bad about that. It says he was remorseful about taking the money. He felt really bad about it. As a matter of fact, he brought the money back. But when you study that word remorseful, it doesn't mean repent. Are y'all with me? He didn't really repent. He just kind of felt bad that he got caught. That's not repentance. 
That is not repentance. And, and so just feeling bad about, you know, sin or, or just saying, you know, I'm not ready to give up my sin, but you know what? I really just think Jesus is great, and I really just think Jesus, his teaching. See, it's not enough to say nice things. Listen to me. One old preacher said it this way. He said, it's not enough to tip your hat to Jesus. You have to embrace him. And I challenge you today that if you haven't embraced Jesus, that you will embrace him in this service. And that brings us to the final uh, message in this series. And I'm going to give you several attitudes uh, today. We've only given you about three so far, but I'm going to close out by giving you several of them today. Now, I'm going to preach as fast as you can listen. So you guys really got to listen fast or we could be here a while today. All right. All right, number four, number four, um, at the cross that day, we discover that also ignorance crucified the Lord Jesus. Ignorance crucified him. Look in Matthew 27, verses 20 and 21 with me. The Bible says, but the chief priest and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, and who was the governor? Pilate. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And the people answered what? Everybody say it. Barabbas. Who was Barabbas? Who was he? The Bible tells us that Barabbas was a criminal. He was a thief. He was a rebel. He was a murderer. He was a very wicked, vile human being. So here's the deal. This coward, we found out last week that Pilate was a coward. Pilate the coward is trying to get himself off the hook. He's trying to isolate himself, separate himself from the uh, judgment of Jesus. Now if you remember last week, so powerful, so rich, that message... Pilate had so many voices trying to help him. He had so many voices trying to help him understand. And uh, you remember his wife spoke to him. Pilate's wife said, hey, don't have anything to do with this just man. She called Jesus a just man. Don't have anything to do with him. Do you all remember what Pilate said? you remember what else Pilate said? Pilate said about Jesus, I find what? No fault in this man. So Pilate's conscience was speaking to him, and Pilate's wife was speaking to him. And then, and then uh, the Lord spoke to him. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. Now hear me, those same voices speak to you. Many of you, uh, you remember before you came to Christ, or maybe you're sitting here today and you haven't come to Christ yet. You know there are voices speaking to you about who Jesus is, revealing to you who Jesus is. Why, you're hearing the voice of your preacher, your pastor right now, telling you who Jesus is. You've had family members tell you who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit tells you who Jesus is. People who love you have told you who Jesus is over and over again. Pilate had all of these voices speaking into him, but Pilate loved his money and he loved his power and he just couldn't let it go and embrace Jesus. I mean, it really came close. There was really a, a moment, I think, when Pilate was almost there, but, uh, you know, almost isn't good enough. And Pilate didn't embrace him. 
uh, Pilate's worst decision was his indecision. So Pilate's trying to get himself off the hook here. And he looks at the people and he says something like this. I'm not going to quote this right out of the scripture. I'm going to paraphrase. But he looks at the people and he goes, hey, listen, um, guys, I'll make a deal with you. You've got your Barabbas over here and you've got Jesus over here. Tell you what I'll do. Instead of me deciding, I promise I'll release one of them, set them free. And the other one we will keep bound and we'll sentence him. But I'm going to let you choose that. And the Bible says the moment the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priest and the elders heard that, listen to me now, they began to work that crowd. They began to work the crowd, the Bible says. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, also paraphrase this. Now, you've got to remember these were very influential people. They, uh, most of them were wealthy and most of them uh, highly educated, and so they, they really were influential people, and they began to work the crowd, and they said to the crowd something like this, and I can just see them going all over the crowd there, and they're giving the same message, talking points, I think that's what they call it today. They say, now look, when Pilate asked which one to release, you shout out uh, that they should release Barabbas. And then you shout out that Jesus is the one who should be crucified. So they're telling the people and the news is spreading. And they were working the crowd. Listen to this. Giving them wrong information about who Jesus was. They were giving the crowd wrong information about who Jesus was. Pilate finally asked, which of the two shall I release? And they say, release Barabbas. He says, what then shall I do with this man who is called Jesus, who claims to be the Christ? And they all together in unison said, crucify him. Crucify him. And maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, Pastor, how in the world could these people do such a thing because they were influenced to do it. They were told to do it. They were taught to do it. And then you might respond by me giving you that answer by saying, but pastor, that means that they're not to blame. That means they're not the ones to blame. I mean, they were given false information. They were ignorant about who Jesus was. Now I want you to listen to me because this is important. If it's true that this crowd didn't know who Jesus was, they should have known. And they should have known because they could have known. And they would have known if they had simply looked up to God and said, God, what is truth? What is the truth about your son? But they listened to the scribes and they listened to the Pharisees and they listened to these hypocrites. Here's my application for you today on this point. And this is so important. And, and I got to tell you, this is, this, this is old school preaching that people need to hear. I want to tell you that on the final judgment day, there's not a single person in this building who will be able to stand before God and plead innocence because you didn't know. 
There's nobody in this room who will be able to plead innocence before God because you were ignorant about who Jesus was. Now, I want you to hear me. It's true that in the Bible, that group of religious leaders who influenced the crowd to cry for the release of Barabbas and the crucifixion of Jesus, they will suffer a greater judgment. Do you all understand what I'm saying? You do know false teachers... People who spread false information about God will suffer a greater judgment. Like today, in this world, there are false prophets. There are false teachers, and I want you to know that they lead people astray. They lead people away from God, and the Bible teaches us that they will pay a greater price. But spiritual ignorance will not justify us. When we stand before God at the end, you will not be able to stand there and say, I didn't know. Let me remind you, even this crowd in the Bible, the Bible might indicate here, and I think it does, that maybe they didn't know or didn't understand, but they should have because they could have and they would have if they had listened to Jesus if they had looked to God for the truth. Here's what Jesus said to you and Jesus said to me. In John 6, 37, he said, If any man will come unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. He said in another place, I believe it's in the writings of Peter, he said, It is not my desire that anyone should perish, but that everyone, how many? Everyone should come to me and repent it. So I want you to get this today. If you want to know the truth about Jesus, he will reveal himself to you. Really, uh, and I probably should have included this in my notes, but I, I thank God that occasionally he enables me to remember stuff. I still remember some stuff. It was, it was Pilate who said to the people, or Jesus actually, who said to Pilate, when, when Jesus was standing in front of Pilate at the judgment bar, Jesus said to him, Pilate, let me just tell you, if you want to know who I am, I'll, I'll reveal myself to you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if any man wants to know who I am, I will reveal myself to that person. You know, there was a time, and I, I love all this about Pilate. This is great, great information, great teaching. There was a time when Pilate was tender. There was a time when Pilate was tender toward Jesus. Pilate said, who are you? Tell me who you are. I want to know who you are. And you can tell Pilate was sincere. But later, later in the process, Pilate's heart got hard. And, he be, and, and when, when Pilate was sincere, you know what Jesus did? He, he answered his questions. Listen to me. When you've got questions about Jesus and you're sincere, he will answer them. But Pilate later got hard-hearted and he asked Jesus a question. And Jesus knew that Pilate was not sincere anymore. But his heart had become hard because you have to understand that, um, that, that Pilate, uh, um, uh, what buttered his bread, made his decisions for him. In other words, he, he loved the power. He loved the finances. He loved his influence. And he didn't want to give that up. So his heart got hard. And later, Pilate begins to ask Jesus questions, and Jesus doesn't answer him. You know why Jesus doesn't answer him later? Because Pilate wasn't sincere. Pilate's heart had gotten hard. You know what Pilate said to Jesus? And it revealed his heart. Pilate said, you don't, do you know who I am? 
Pilate looking at Jesus. Do you know who I am? Don't you know who you're talking to here? Here's what I'm saying in, in telling you that little story. When you're sincere, and you know what? I believe there are people sitting in this audience today, and you're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. And you've thought of every excuse in the book, hypocrites in the church, preachers who are hypocrites, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all. I want to tell you something. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to walk up here to this altar and talk to anybody here today. i got good news for you. If you want to know who Jesus is, go to him with a sincere heart, and he will speak to you. He will speak to you directly. I've heard this about a church, and I've heard things about this church. Pastor Farrell, I've heard things about you. You know what? Then don't come to me. Don't go to a person. Go to your car, shut the door, roll up the windows, and look straight up and go, Jesus, I sincerely want to know who you are and do you love me and did you die for my sins and did you rise from the dead and will you save me? And according to the word of God that is infallible, the word of God that is inerrant, listen to me, Jesus will speak to you. He will speak to you. Amen. Amen. Thank God for that. So what crucified Jesus? Ignorance crucified the Lord Jesus. Number five, indifference. Indifference crucified the Son of God. Look what the Bible says. Very brief, short verse, Matthew 27, 36. There was a crowd there and and uh, there were different crowds there, different crowds. And there was a crowd there that just watched. They didn't do anything, they just watched. Look what it says about them. Sitting down, they watched him there. Now you have to understand who is they. Well, it's just this crowd. And it's the crowd mentioned here in this verse is not the ones in the judgment hall. This is a different crowd. These are not the ones who cried out for the laceration of his back. This is not the group who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. This is a crowd that was back behind that crowd, just, just watching, just looking. They weren't yelling, they weren't screaming, they were not shouting. They were just watching from the bleachers. The Bible says about this crowd that they shook their head and walked by. They just shook their head and walked by. They just watched. They just stared. There was no emotion. There were no tears. You know, I found it interesting that Solomon speaks of people like this in the Old Testament. In the book of, not Solomon, but uh, Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, chapter 1 and verse 12, Jeremiah asked this question, does it mean nothing to you, all you who just passed by? Does it mean nothing to you? Now that, that wasn't in relation to Jesus, that was in relation to Jeremiah's times, and he's asking the people who were just in the bleachers, does it, does it mean nothing to you what's going on? The injustice, the sin, the ungodliness? Does it mean nothing to you? 
Jesus was crucified just outside the city gate on the Damascus Road. You remember Paul being on the Damascus Road? Well, Jesus was crucified just outside the city gate on the Damascus Road, which was a major thoroughfare. So I'm saying all that and giving you that background so you will understand that this whole thing was a big spectacle. This was a big um, moment of really entertainment for them. They had all gathered to see someone crucified, someone suffer capital punishment, the death penalty. They wanted to see little children and adults together. And again, now this crowd didn't hold the hammer. They didn't hold the whip. This crowd didn't lash his back. They didn't spit in his face. This is not the crowd that pierced his side or cried out for him to be pierced. They just watched. This crowd just sat there and watched. Listen, they were spectators. Can I preach this morning? They're like a lot of people in churches all over America today who come to church and sit on a comfortable pew or a comfortable chair and they sing the song. And they follow along in the scripture, but they're just kind of watching the whole thing. It's kind of like entertainment. No commitment. No real feeling of emotion. For so many people in America today, in American Christianity, it's just a spectator sport. Most people think they've done God a favor by just coming to church. Most people think they've done God a favor by coming to a church and sitting down in air conditioning in a comfortable chair and listening to the choir and listening to the band and listening to the preacher and then just get up, just like the Bible said, and walk away. The Bible says of this crowd, listen now, they watched and they shook their head and they walked away. You know what that is? That's indifference. That's indifference. And I believe of all the things that the world, and especially in America today, and the church in this world is plagued with, is not so much resistance or hatred or bitterness toward God. I believe the greatest enemy today is, I just really don't care, man. I just really don't care. It doesn't really move me one way or the other. The Bible says, sitting down, they watched him there. And then they got up and went on their way. Indifference. They never took a stand for Jesus. You know what Jesus said about this? As we think about, how does this apply to me, Pastor? Look in Matthew 12, 30, or just listen. It's not going to come up on the screen. Listen to this. I love the message. The message says, this is war, and this is Jesus talking. This is war, and there is no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you're the enemy. If you're not helping me, then you're making things worse. I just expected a bunch of amens right there. I mean, Jesus said it. Right? Look what it says in Revelation 3.15. You'll recognize this one. I know you inside and out and find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. 
far better to be either cold or hot. I believe, I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that most people today who don't know Jesus Christ, I believe most of them are just in that lukewarm. I don't believe they're really hot. I don't believe they're really cold. They're just caught in that middle indifference, that lukewarmness that the Bible talks about in Revelation 3. Let me share a little poem with you, and I'm going to change a few of the words. Little poem here. When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hung him on a tree. They drove great nails through his hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. Red were his wounds and deep. For those were crude and cruel days and human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Princeton, when Jesus came to Goldsboro, when Jesus came to Mount Olive, we merely passed him by. We didn't hurt a hair of him. We only let him die. For men have grown more tender. They would have given him pain. They merely passed on down the street and left him in the rain. Still Jesus cried, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And still it rained a winter rain that drenched him through and through. The crowds went home and left the street with not a soul to see. That Jesus crouched against a wall and cried for Calvary. You know what the writer of this poem was saying? Here's what he was saying. He was saying that Jesus Christ had rather you be out and out against him than to be so indifferent that you just try to remain neutral. That's what Pilate did. Recently I was reading an article and, I, and something just jumped out at me. It said, uh, the question was, what's the opposite of love? And you know what my first thought was? You know what my first word was? Probably one you're thinking right now. Hate. But you know why? When, you, when you're angry or, or you're full of bitterness or anger or hatred, even hatred, that means you've got a feeling for something. You feel something. You, you, you have emotion attached to it. That's why I think Jesus said in Revelation, I wish you were either cold or hot. That would mean, that would mean you cared but I've, I've read on in that article and it said the opposite of love is indifference. Indifference. And I thought of the stupidest illustration, but I'm going to share it. Because normally saying something stupid don't hold me back. You remember when you were in junior high and your girlfriend broke up with you guys? You know, if she was really mad at you, that wasn't really as hard to deal with as if she was nice but acted like she didn't really care. Are y'all with me out there? You'd see her in the hallway and you'd hope she wouldn't speak to you. She'd be really mad because then you knew she had feelings, she had emotions. She came, but when she'd walk by and go, oh, hello. Uh, y'all know what I'm talking about? 
I'm like, you ought to be upset that I'm not with you. But she would act how? Indifferent. And indifference is the opposite of love, not hate. So those of you who are like, well, you know, really this whole Jesus cross resurrection thing, I'm just like, you know, whatever. That breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God. What a powerful, powerful word in Matthew 12 and 30. Let me say it again. Jesus said, this is war and there's no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, then you're my enemy. If you're not helping me, then you're making things, come on, worse. So are you going to be that person, someone who will come into this service today and listen to the music and listen to the sermon and then just walk out and think no more about it? Indifference, crucified the Son of God. Let me give you the last one. Number six, skepticism. Skepticism crucified the Son of God. Let's go uh, into the Bible and, and read there in Matthew 27. Let's look at verses uh, 39 through 43, and you can follow this up on the screen. And the Bible says, And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Verse 40. And saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. Listen to the mockery. Now I want you to know that they're quoting the scripture here, but they're quoting the scripture out of context. You do know that in the Bible there are times when the enemies of God quoted the Bible to make a point. But they would always misquote it just a little bit, or twist it just a little bit, or pull it out of context. As a matter of fact, Satan himself quoted the Bible in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus was in the wilderness. And Satan came to tempt Jesus. Y'all remember that story in the Bible? Jesus, uh, Satan quoted the book of Psalms to Jesus. But if you go and, and read that quote and you go to the book of Psalms, you can see where Satan twisted it around. And this is often used to hang us up. That's why it's so important, guys, that we know the Bible. That we know the Word of God because there are going to be people who come along who go, well, you know, the Bible says, and if you don't know your Bible, you might go, well, yeah, gosh, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to respond to that because you don't know your Bible. But the Word of God says they were saying, you who destroyed the temple uh, and built it in three days, save yourself. So what Jesus had told them earlier was, when the temple is destroyed, he was talking about himself. He wasn't talking about the literal temple. He said, when it's destroyed in three days, I'll raise it back up. So they're quoting that scripture to him. You're talking about saving others, saving that save yourself, misapplying the word of God. They go on in the scripture. If you are the son of God, questioning his deity, if you're the son of God, just like the thief on the cross, you remember? One of them got saved. you remember? One of them gave their heart to Jesus. What did the other one do? The other one mocked. The other one said, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, why don't you save us? Why don't you come down? He goes on, come down off the cross. Verse 41, likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribes and the elders said, verse 42, he saved others. Listen to the skepticism. Listen to the mockery here. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. 
If he is the king of Israel, like he claims, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe. Hey, man, do a miracle. Do one of those miracles. Tell you what, tell you what, Jesus, do a miracle up on the cross. Do a miracle, come down off the cross, and then we'll believe you. He had already done multiplied miracles, all of them not even recorded in the Bible. But if they could just see one more miracle, then they would believe. Do you believe that's true? No. He trusted in God, this Jesus. Let him deliver him now. Let this God in heaven deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, he told us, I am the Son of God. Skeptics. Cynics. Suspicion, unbelief crucified Jesus. I was thinking about that when I was working on this sermon and I thought they cried out at the foot of the cross. They cried out, if you are really the Son of God, do a miracle. Do a miracle while you're up there on the cross. But the Bible says Jesus performed no miracles while hanging on the cross. Here's what they should have done. They should have waited three days later, gone down to the tomb, and instead of saying, if you're the Son of God, do a miracle, they should have said, if you're the Son of God, come out. Then they would have seen a miracle. Amen? Skepticism, cynicism, crucified the Lord Jesus. So that's it. We have studied who was at the cross. And if you've been honest, I think you'll have to agree that we were all there. We were all there. Amen? My sin crucified him. Our sins were the nails. Our hard hearts were the hammer that drove those nails. Self-righteousness crucified Jesus. Hypocrisy crucified Jesus. Cowardice, ignorance, indifference, skepticism. Listen, but for all those sins, Jesus died. He died for all those sins. And the last thing that I'll leave with you before we go is Pilate's words to that crowd. Pilate asked them the most important question that you will ever have asked of you. And how you answer that question will determine your eternity. In verse 22 of Matthew 27, Jesus said, Pilate said, What shall I do with this man Jesus who is called the Christ? Listen to me. There is no question in your life more important than that question. What will you do? What will you do with Jesus? who is called the Christ. And I know preachers don't preach it as strong as they used to, but I want to tag something on the end of this because what you decide to do with Jesus will determine what God does with you. What you decide to do with Jesus will determine what God does with you. Let's stand together.